Hi, I'm Eric. And I'm Megan. And this is Cinema Super Collider. Where we're smashing up cinema one movie at a time. Greetings, my friend. We are all interested in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here, my friend. Can your heart stand the shocking fact about cinema? This episode of Cinema Super Collider, we will be talking about the 1980 happy time dance disco classic film that we love so much. Can't stop the music, starring the Village People, among other people. Valerie Perrine is in this, mm-hmm. and Jenner. Uh, I uh, he was Bruce Jenner in this film. So at uh, the time the film was made. The credit goes to Bruce Jenner. So Bruce Jenner in this current, film. Current Caitlin credit Jenner. would go to Caitlyn Jenner. So Correct. Well, I was going to say Steve Gutenberg is in this movie. Oh, well, yeah, the Goot. The Steve, Goot. Steve Gutenberg, the Goot. <laughs> Coked up Steve Gutenberg on we roller skates. We don't know that we have no objective evidence that would stand up in court that would say that he was on cocaine. Exhibit the, A, his performance <laughs> in Can't Stop the Music. Um, if he wasn't on coke, exhibit B, his performance in Can't Stop the Music. I, if he wasn't on coke, he gave a very convincing performance. Exhibit of- C, <laughs> his performance in Can't Stop the Music. Yeah, it's if you ever wondered what someone <laughs> what someone on coke looks like, like hmm, I'm not entirely sure what they you know what do they they babble nonsensically or yeah, just watch his exhibit D. Yeah. His performance in Can't Stop the Music. Yeah, also, think- he might be chasing a little speed there as well. Mm, we don't know. He is. Uh, he gives. He gives an incredible frenetic. Fre- frenetic is a great word. Performance in this, as do the Village People, who are to those of you who do not recall who the Village People are. They were a disco singing group. They were a sensation from about I would say 1977 to about 1979. And then this film came out right at the time that the backlash to disco was really getting going. They persisted beyond 7-9. I, you know what? If you don't know who the village people are, fuck you. Wow, that's a bold statement. No, I'm going to say it. If you don't know who the village people are, fuck you. If you. I mean, I'm not saying you need to know all of their songs. And I'm not even saying that you need to know the words to any of their songs. But if you don't know, if you have never heard YMCA, fuck you. We have listeners up from all over the world. I mean, no, no, no. YMCA. Look, in Sweden, somebody knows YMCA. Yeah, you know, I, I, in 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 Sri Lanka, someone knows YMCA. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in South Africa, someone knows YMCA. Oh yeah. Everybody I, knows YMCA. Yes, and YMCA was performed by. The village people. Yes. And uh, they burst down the scene, and their gimmick was that each one of the performers, they were all men, and each one of the performers dressed in some sort of stereotypical 
garb like maybe a little boy would dream of being when he grew up like or one was really a cowboy one was an indian man. one was a motorcycle dude one was a construction worker and a fireman and a soldier. cop and a soldier all of those things if you were a young boy or a butch gay man these are the things you might want to be yeah or yeah. if you weren't a butch gay man but you were a gay man who liked butch gay men. These might be things that you would hope would be wrapped up and put under your Christmas tree. Yeah. Yeah. And the songs they sang were, um, they had some sort of uh, gay subtext to them, but they could be very easily played on AM radio and enjoyed by whole families. They there were was party nothing, songs. Look, they were They were par- nothing dirty about their lyrics. There Ka- well, was just, there, there might have been some double entendres there. There was a lot of subtext. There was some subtext and double entendres, sure, for those I mean, folks who were, who were willing to look for that. But I mean, it wasn't something that, you know, you couldn't play for your, uh, you know, Grandma Mary at the, uh, you know, family picnic in the summer and everybody dump, jumps around and sings YMCA. It wasn't going to make grandma blush or, or run away or scold you kids for playing the wrong kind of music, right? Well, I mean, no. it was family friendly. They no. could put it on the Bob Hope special on TV, you know, and like Donnie and Marie could sing it on their show. Right. Know? Because none of the people that watched Donnie and Marie and sang along to YMCA really like listened to the lyrics. Well, or in the Navy, nobody really was thinking. They were thinking about like, oh, this is a great recruiting song for the Navy. We want you as a new recruit. Yeah. Instead of like what goes on at the in the Navy. I wonder what the- With the, all them seamen. Yeah. Seamen mm-hmm. packed into- into them Navy white Long, hard, steel Tube? ships. Tubes? Tubes. Yes. Tubes. Uh, What's long and hard and full of seamen? A submarine. <laughs> Get it? Yeah. A submarine? Mm-hmm. That was a, like a third grade joke, right? Yeah. Anyhow. Good job. Yeah, I, you know, I wonder, like, um, th- their hit songs were YMCA, In the Navy. Yep. Um, Macho Man, which is probably number two, maybe number one. I think we all know that one as well. Uh, In the Navy, that's another one. There was one called San Francisco, You've Got Me. I don't know how that one goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. There was one that was just called Village People. Uh, there's one called Hot Cop. <laughs> Which I got to assume, I know how that one goes. It's about a guy who has to stand out in the sun and direct traffic. Yeah. Because it's like, because he's got to wear his uniform, he's hot, he's makes him really hot. He's a hot cop. Yeah. Right. Then there's a few where I'm just going to assume they were really popular because of reasons, like Fire Island. Fire Island. I wonder why that one was popular. I don't know. Yeah. Key West. Key West. There's, these are all vacation spots. These are all vacation like, spots. interested in vacations. Yes, yeah. Sure. Yes, vacations of a certain type. Fun, fun type. Fun type, yes. yeah. Uh, there's one called In Hollywood, Everyone is a Star. <laughs> In bed. In bed. Yes. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, yeah, I mean, those are the big ones. There's one called Go West. It's a version of a track from Go West. Hmm. The, uh, the, the movie the, the, the contained big, only oh. one of these songs. Huh? And Can't Stop the Music. Oh, okay. Well, so the movie contained two of these songs. There was some sort of problem with the rights or something, or one of the guys that was in the band who had quit the band had written uh, a macho man and in the Navy. And so they couldn't use it in this film. So they ended up using a few other songs, but really the, all the village people songs are kind of the same. They all have uh, the same beat because they're disco songs. Yeah, they're disco songs. They have the same beat, the same instruments, the same arrangements. Everything about them is the same, yep. except the lyrics are a little bit different and the, 
chord you know structure is a little bit different but otherwise they're pretty much all the same so you you're not really missing out but it would have been cool if in can't stop the music they had used macho man somehow that would have been good that would that would have been the song they probably would have used to intro the construction worker guy right let's be instead honest. of i love you to death instead which of is... i love you to death which is a real weird choice and an interesting it's a commercial for yeah. for the construction worker yes. to sell things yeah. i don't know so what happens in can't stop the music eric well steve gutenberg is a record store clerk who quits his job to be a part of the entertainment industry specifically, but specifically a composer oh, of disco music yes he think he sort of wants to be like a a kind of copy of maybe like giorgio Moroder or um i'm trying to think if there were any other like big disco composers i mean somebody like nile rogers maybe who was you know the guy behind the scenes not a performer but a guy who's going to write and produce uh, all of these different songs and so he and we should mention steve gutenberg's style of composing is mostly flailing around like a muppet on cocaine humming tunelessly at valerie perrine right and somehow magically this makes songs happen Right. And he lives with Valerie Perrine. They're just pals. They are roommates. Valerie Perrine kind of. is a supermodel who is just retired from the supermodeling business to eat food and get fat and hang out in the village. And they live together in a house with his, uh, his uh, Philippe. Felipe, does he live with them? Or no, he's he just, just kind of live, hangs out there. He constantly breaks in. Okay. Felipe is one of the village people. He is always dressed as a Native American. Uh, he is not a Native American. No, no. He is probably... He's a half-naked man. He's, and <laughs> he's, he's a tiny, half-naked, we are led to believe, heterosexual man. Uh, are he we is, led to believe that? Yes, because he makes out with Lulu. Oh. And, like makes eyes at her all the time. Wow. Uh, okay, then. He is not. Well, I, you know... He is... He's, as far as I know, as far as the movie is concerned, he seemed pretty asexual to me. He is... A, gay man but so steve gutenberg wants to do this he goes to a disco and demos some of his material and uh, the people really like it when he's you know playing his stuff over the over the speakers at the disco but he what he really needs is he needs some kind of a group to record some of the other music that he composed apparently he had you know like he's got like, garage band apparently <laughs> because he's writing orchestral scores i is, mean come on man he he's, is, he's got like he's got like staff paper he's writing out notes and stuff I'm right sure and he's recording it somehow in in his in this apartment which uh, i mean there's nothing in this apartment except plants, Valerie Perrine, ridiculous furniture, and Steve G Gutenberg's coke habit. Right. There's so, no way he's recording music in this apartment. So they go on a search to find singers for his songs. And, and by they, they, we mean Valerie Perrine. Well, who, Valerie Perrine and him and no, uh, Bruce no. Jenner do. Uh, I mean, they're holding Bruce tryouts. Even, no, though, Bruce for, Jenner hasn't even shown up yet. No, no, no. I'm, we're not. I'm just saying for the. Oh, just I'm in just, general. Just in like as a, okay. a synopsis of the yes. movie. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Oh, yes. we'll go, we're going to go into detail. Oh, no, no, no. no. Okay. That's fine. That's okay, fine. Yeah. That's fine. Okay. Yes. So, so he, they, they, they put go together this group called the Village People and they eventually make their way to San Francisco and debut some music and get a record deal and Steve Gutenberg is rich and famous and uh Bruce Jenner and Valerie Perrine get together and the village people are a big hit and that's the end of the movie that's basically the story of the movie sure but 
they have the hijinks. Hijinks ensue, and there's a few problems to overcome over the way. But there's not like a like a villain in it, or no. Any the kind villain of like, is fame. <laughs> the villain is is unsuccess in the music business. The villain is themselves. The movie was directed by Nancy Walker, who I think this is her only the only movie I think she ever directed. And the movie itself was a colossal failure because unlike many other sort of musical fads, disco didn't just fade away and people become more interested in other things. It's self-destructed. Disco self-destructed and in a dramatic way in that people turned on it. People became angry with it. It didn't just come, you know, like, uh, what's a, what's a style that's come and go, uh, gone recently? Dubstep? Let's say, yeah, let's say dubstep. Like, dubstep was like really hot shit for a while. And now kind of people don't really care about dubstep anymore. But disco was like super hot shit for a while. And then people hated it, hated it with the white hot passion of a thousand supernovas. Di- hating disco became the, the main thing people knew about disco. By maybe 1981 or 1982. But when this movie had come out, the tide had already turned. Now, when you say Nancy Walker, now this is one of those things that you're going to need to explain to the young people. Who is Nancy Walker? Uh, Nancy Walker was a bit player on a lot of TV shows and I think commercials and stuff during the 70s. I think she was best known as Rhoda's mother, but I think that she had... I think she had a sort of sort of long and storied career in show business. She might have done like stage work and stuff in New York. I don't know. Yeah, but, but she was Ida Morgenstern on Rhoda. She right. was Rhoda's mom. Rhoda. And she was on Macmillan and Wife. Oh, yeah, Macmillan and Wife. Who could forget? And she was on a bunch of other shit like that. Okay, well, both me and my brother and a few like weirdo friends of our very, very to uh, uh, <laughs> say big hello to uh, our uh, friend and listener, Nathan, out there. He I'll, I'll clump him in with a bunch of weirdos that like... Uh, entertainment tv entertainment from the 70s because it was it was very incestuous everybody was on everybody else's show and uh, it, it it was a time when tv shows were they didn't have a through story they were very episodic and you could have someone show up on a show for one episode and it, they didn't necessarily show up anywhere else but then they'd show up on another show and anyway nancy walker was one of these people Yes. Yes, indeed. I'm trying to. I'm trying to see if she was ever on uh, the Rockford file. I would guess that she was because I was going to give Nathan and Epidiah a plug <laughs> because they have a podcast about the Rockford file called Two Hundred a Day. So if you like that kind of shit, you should go check out Two Hundred a Day, the Rockford Files. Two Hundred Motels. No, no, no. That's different. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's a different podcast. I'm going to start that podcast. So Nancy Walker directed this film, and it was a colossal flop. It was a huge, huge, huge failure because people all of a sudden hated disco, and it happened very suddenly. In 1978 and 79, when they were making this, things were looking a little rocky, maybe, in the world of disco as popular entertainment, but... People who were deep into like that whole disco culture, and believe me, showbiz people were deep into it because it involved money and cocaine and stardom and all of that kind of good stuff, which they had tremendous access to. Those people were still into it, and those people decided to make this movie, and it was going to be a big, big, big hit, and it was going to catapult the fame of the already famous village people into the stratosphere. This was going to be, you know, like the, uh, like what was the Beatles movie, like Hard Day's Night 
for the village people. This was going to, you know, launch them on a super career. And the movie came out and everyone hated it. It became just a notorious flop. Mm-hmm. And now it's, I think I, I think when you look it up and you see what is the category it's under, I think it's under cult films. Yeah. If it you is. search in Amazon under cult films, it's one of the first ones that pops up. Well, here's the, the thing about it is that, I mean, disco notwithstanding, it's not a bad movie. The acting in it is not bad. I mean, Steve Gutenberg is fucking on cocaine and is ridiculous. He is a ridiculous Muppet in this movie and laughable. But the story is not horrible. And despite a little bit of some sort of sluggish business in the third act, because you just kind of want to get to the end by that point, the movie chugs along at a pretty decent pace and the music is entertaining. They have sort of big like showgirl-esque like music numbers throughout. The music numbers are the most excellent parts of this yeah. movie, but there are enough other moments, character moments, and sort of almost like sitcom moments in the in yeah. the movie that aren't necessarily like super funny, but it would be good enough for a sitcom funny. Well, I mean, right. the, the characters are funny. And they don't last long. You know, there's there's a love story between Valerie Perrine and Bruce Jenner, and it's not necessarily the greatest, most original thing ever, but it doesn't last long, and it's not on screen very, very much. Because the movie is not about them. The movie is about the village people. So we get a lot of village people. You know, you get a lot of Felipe, the the, the Native American one. They call him an Indian. I will call him an Indian here. That's I don't fine. Want you to know what? Insult any Indian people from India, and I don't want to insult any first peoples from the Americas here. But here's the thing: he was referred to as an Indian in that show, and I will refer to him as such. He is cultural appropriation on a grand scale. There's no way around it. Mm-hmm. He's wearing a war bonnet the entire time. It was something that no one was. I won't say no one. It was something that very few people paid any kind of significant. He's attention wearing to a war bonnet and fucking short shorts the entire time. There's just no way to get around it, and he's making like Indian weird war cries most of the fucking time. Yes. This movie does not strike a blow for civil rights for everybody. It strikes a blow for being fabulous. And that's about it. Guys, there's a lot of fabulousness in this movie. All right. Now that we've spent half of the episode just setting it up, now strap in because we're going to tell this. Also, this film is two hours and a couple of minutes couple long. Minutes it's long. like two hours and two minutes long. And like an hour of it is just musical numbers. Mm, yeah, pretty much. About. I would say. Yeah. About an hour of it is just musical numbers. And uh, the rest, uh, rest of it is good too. Except and like I would say that. that probably about half the budget was spent on costume. Yeah, I would say so. About half of it. And cocaine. Well, yeah. But back in the 70s, like cocaine was a lot cheaper than it was in the 80s. Okay, well, we are going to jump right in and say that it starts out. Steve Gutenberg is a clerk in a record store. And he says, fuck you to the man because the man wants him to stay and work. And he's like, no, no, I'm going to be a composer. And, and it, <laughs> I just, I can't, I can't wait. Dude, I know. Go ahead. Go I know. Ahead. He's like, fuck you, man. I am a composer. And you know what? We're going to go right to composing. And so what does he do, Eric? He straps on his roller skates and skates out into the streets of Manhattan along with the theme song, intro song of the new movie, Listen to the Sounds of the City. Yes, which Eric knows all the words to. Not really, but there, there's you not know, that many words to know. You know many of the words to. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Listen to the sound of the city. 
Sound of the city. New York is the place you should be. Mm, everything, something's a disco. New York makes you happy and free. It's I like that. New York, a city with gusto. New York is a big show. It's what's happening. It is it is absolute drivel. It's about New York. Yes. And how much fun it is to be there. And, and by gum, it looks fun. It does. Looks great. It looks great. It's a it's a three screen setup. It's like it's like a normal movie screen sort of uh, what do you call it? like aspect ratio, but it's divided into three screens for part of it. So you get three goots. Or not one, not two, but three goots. Sometimes, and sometimes you get two goots on the two left and right screen, and then you get like some pretty girls in the middle one. And then sometimes you'll get goot in the middle, and then you'll get some like taxi cabs and like models walking down the street with their dogs, and, and the other ones on the side. But you are always going to get some goot, but. Oh my god, what is he wearing? Like skin tight wearing, white pants, right? He is wearing some tight goot butt jeans. Yeah, and he's I a pretty fair roller skater, I'd have to say. He's doing okay on yeah. them skates, but if you're not ready for that goot butt, you're gonna you're gonna have to strap in because there's a lot of goot butt in this movie. There is. It's young goot butt. It's not like three men and a baby goot butt, so it's okay. And you while can look, you can look at the goot butt. Yeah. You're gonna have to. to the sound of my town. You can take a ride on a tramway. From ocean to ocean. Oh, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of body parts that there's you can be looking at. There's a lot of goot. There's not just goot butt. There's a lot of butt and crotch. You're going to have to, you're going to wade through it. And, and boobs. Straight up penis. You're going to see some penis in this movie, guys. There's a, there's a glimpse of nipple and there's a lot of braless ladies in the movie Well, it's the 70s. Well. It's the 70s. Well, I'm just saying, it's not just cheesecake for the for the gay men and the ladies to gaze at. There's also stuff for the for the straight men and the gay ladies to There's gaze at. There's just body parts everywhere. Yes. Body, body. <laughs> I want to... Something, something body. body. Yeah, that was the body boy. In yeah, the, we'll talk about that too. Yeah. Uh, but I know all the songs, guys. Mm, so he's skating along New York and it's a long, long intro and the song goes on and on. It's like six it's minutes fine, long. It's fine It's great. It's Same dumb lyrics over and over and over. And then he meets up with Valerie Perrine who's walking down the street. Because that's a thing you do in New York. It's got it's like millions of people in New York. But you know what you're going to do? You're going to run into your gal pal in yeah. Central Park. It just happens that right. way. Well, they almost get split up by a guy in a skateboard holding a sail. <laughs> so Yes, that wind, was a thing. windsurfing in New York. There was winds, I guess it was a thing maybe in 1979 where you'd, you'd sure. stand on a skateboard and hold like a, a windsurfing, windsurfing thing. Mm-hmm. sail. Yeah. 
Yeah. It sounds like a great idea. I don't know why well, people I think, don't do that. I think what we're led to believe with this is that this is the village and people who are weird live in the village. Ah, yes. I think that is what the movie is trying to tell us. Yes. Tra- go back. Fucking to- weirdos live in the village. Go back with me to the 1970s of New York when New York was a he- urban hellhole. So much so that they made a movie about it that it was going to become a, the entire city was going to be walled off because of a crime and it was going to be turned into a prison. Yeah. That's what New York was, the people were thinking about. The Duke back of in New the York. 70s. The Duke of New York. The, uh, Central Park, the, the Central Park in Manhattan was a, basically was just a punchline on the late night TV shows. Johnny Carson would be, oh, you know, and how hot was it? It was so hot, even the muggers in Central Park were melting. You know, the muggers in Central Park was a thing. Greenwich Village was a place where poor weirdos would buy studio space and sit around shivering while they're trying to make their art because it was so cheap to live there because it was an urban hellhole and no one wanted to be there. Yeah. Imagine this. Is, this. this is like decades before rent, you fucking poser assholes. <laughs> Ooh, let's not get into rent now. I hate rent. You're going to alienate half our audience that's hate between rent. a certain age limit. I hate it so much. I hate it. I hate, you know what? There's like a list of movies I hate. Snowpiercer's at the top. And then like Rent is like right at number two. Sometimes I wonder which one I hate more. Second season of Stranger Things is coming up. I'm not fond of that. Mm, Boy, you have some unpopular opinion. I know. Yeah, so so that's the intro section. Then we go over to Valerie Perrine's beautiful apartment in the village and it's like a bi-level place. It's a house. She lives in a house in the village. She has a backyard. Oh, it's amazing. With like a porch and a fence and she's got at least... She's got a dentist chair in her living room. Because she's quirky. She lives in the village. Yeah. She's got a kitchen. It's a 1970s kitchen to the max. The window is filled with all kinds of plants Plants. and herbs Mm -hmm. and there's ferns growing everywhere and it's all white and gold and shag green carpeting. And Who decided white carpet was a good fucking idea? No, I don't know. You've like for that's you, awful if you spilled idea. your cocaine, you couldn't find it in a white carpet. We had white sure. carpet in my my. So this is back in the day when houses had living rooms and family rooms. No one can afford that shit now. Who and you didn't live in the living room. The living room was the the room where people went when it was like special like visiting times. You lived in the family room. That's where the TV was. I don't. Yeah, I think that's kind of the situation now, kind of, for most people. Right? Yeah, except nobody has a living room and a family room anymore. They've got a great room now, right? <laughs> if you live in the suburbs, right? You get Fuck. a great room. We also had a white couch in the room with the white carpeting. Mm. That's the worst idea ever. Why? Yeah. Why do you do this? It's the same people who were buy white pants. Yeah, well, you know, you got to look sharp. No. It's so- the worst idea ever. Don't don't buy white shit. But there's a whole whole musical number where everyone wears white in this movie but we'll get to that in a minute anyway go on yeah you're taking my role in this uh, episode i'm angry about i'm angry about white you're the one who's interrupting white is bad don't do white anyhow go i'm usually the one with the tangents i'm cranky about things that are white so they go to her place and steve gutenberg has his little studio room and he's raving on about something can i just mention white (laughs) no 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 i just want to mention okay so so this is how Steve Gutenberg and Valerie Perrine ended up living in the same space together. Because it is not a romantic relationship. This is this wasn't like, oh, they used to live together because they were romantically involved and then he just sort of like stayed around. No, no, no. She's a fucking supermodel. 
who's rich beyond like riches. She's like the most supermodel that ever supermodel. Yeah. She's got her face on the side of a bus. She draws a little mustache. Yeah, on she her defaces face. her pictures. Ah, because she's quirky. She's quirky. Yeah. Steve Gutenberg, she like, I guess, hired at some point to take care of her plants. Ah, uh, I remember that. And then he just never left. Right. And he killed her plants, too. And he killed her plants. And then she sort of felt bad for him because he's a big fucking man-child baby who doesn't have really a real job and can't take care of himself. You know what? She recognized him for the musical genius that he is. No, she, she always knew. She wanted a pet and she took him on as her pet. <laughs> so he lives in her house and I don't believe that he pays her rent or bills or anything. Mm, he was record clerk, so maybe he had some money, but that all went up so. his nose for I sure. I don't think so. I think that just that just paid for his drug addiction. So he just lives in her house and is her pet, essentially. And it's sort of implied later on with like one line at some point that he fucks a lot of stewardesses. Oh, yeah, sure. And and like, we're all like, uh-huh, yeah, sure. Okay. I think that was thrown in so that he-, he So he's, not, he's a gay. not gay. Yeah, yeah he's he not gay. But he's probably gay. And then later on as well, we're going to meet his mom- and his mom is kind of like, thank you, Valerie Perrine, for taking care of my child, who is clearly incapable of taking care of himself. Mm -hmm. Sure. So that's how he lives with Valerie Perrine. He is her pet, who is incapable of being an adult and living on his own. Yes. So- yeah. Yeah. And and so the next time we, uh, the next time we see so he's the the reason why he quit his job as a clerk is because he was going to be able to DJ a set that night at the hot disco called Saddle Tramps. Yeah. And so he goes to so Valerie Perrine and her friend go to Saddle Tramps and Steve yeah. Gutenberg is there. Her friend unnamed black lady. Unnamed she black never lady. gets named in this entire movie but she actually has several scenes where she shows up and has lines. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they show up to Saddle Tramps. They meet the guy that runs the place. He's a lascivious asshole uh, wearing a nudie suit jacket. Look it up, kids. And then uh, Steve Gutenberg starts to DJ, and he plays this song, Samantha, which is the name of Valerie Perrine's character in the film. Samantha. And everybody dances around the disco to this lame-ass Dumbo song. And we get to see a lot of bulging crotches. Yes. So two there are two things that we learned as this camera pans about the disco. Thing number one, this is a gay club. It's not portrayed that way in this movie but it is totally a gay club yeah all of these ladies who are dancing with men they're going to be very disappointed at the end of the night because all of the men are going home with each other not them i it, see it struck me as one of these places where ladies go to dance because they want to have dance with their friends and have fun and not get hit on the whole night yes and yes. that's why it's a gay club, because yes. the gay guys don't mind them in there, because they're not messing right, they, with their they, game. Yeah, they're just, they're just, they're just dancing. They're just dancing Everybody's together. just dancing right. and yeah. having fun. But at the, when the lights come on at the end of the night, first off, the men are already gone, because they don't want to see each other when the lights come on at the end of the night. But mostly, nobody's going home with the ladies, except maybe some ladies. Who knows? Yeah. Thing number two, oh my God, guys, the disco fashions. Okay, I'm only just going to name a few things that I saw there. Number one zebra print onesie that's one thing that i saw Ding. number two a pink sequined leotard outfit with matching leg warmer sequins Ding. that was another thing i saw number three 
It was a sort of a, a black and red lace-up cat suit, but like half of the cat suit was kind of like solid and covered the body, but the other was just straps. And and like the chest was covered, but like really nothing else on that half of the body. So Ding. that was, and then just full Farmer Jones denim and plaid rodeo clown outfit complete with lasso ding 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 and a guy dressed as an indian and a guy dressed as a cowboy and a guy dressed as a construction worker yeah but felipe was actually tending to customers right he was bringing someone a pink squirrel i think yeah yes felipe was working that was his gig he's getting someone a bull shot i think he was a waiter and his weight i'm i'm just gonna put this out there i'm pretty sure that the hooters girls wear more to wait tables than Felipe was was wearing to just bring shots out to people. I think the bull shot is beef broth, beef bouillon with the shot of vodka in it served warm. Probably. I have no idea why anyone would drink that, but I guess that was 70s disco thing to drink. I don't know if a guy mm. with basically a cod piece and a war bonnet brings it to you and serves it with his crotch. <laughs> I want hot beef. I want my drinks to taste like hot beef. I mean, they couldn't call it the hot beef injection because it is a family <laughs> film. It is a family film. Yeah, they also it's made the Fe- bull shot. They also made Felipe not wear his thong and wear his like full cover briefage. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, sure. This is what I'm assuming. A lot of, you saw a lot of Felipe's uh, full cover briefage. There was too, a lot so. of crotch shots during this because he was he was serving drinks while standing on the bar, and there was a lot of upskirt shots. Of Felipe. Right. Yeah. Right. And so uh, and so the Goot had a great time and he made everybody dance and everybody liked him, but he really doesn't have a record contract yet and that's what he really wants. So, so he puts uh, uh, Valerie Perrine in charge of finding people that can sing. So she walks out into the street and meets a guy on the street uh, wearing a cowboy suit and she says, hey, buddy, she knows him from somewhere. Well, wait, wait. No. Yeah. Wait. So this movie did actually have advertising backing. This did have some. Oh, yes, yes. Okay. So this entire sequence of her talking to like men on the street is while she is holding a ice cream cone from Baskin Robbins, which is featuring the flavor. Can't stop the nuts. We are not shitting you. This was an actual like. It was a cross promotional thing. When this movie came out, Baskin Robbins had special flavor of the month. That month, whatever that was in uh, 1980, probably like June or July or something, 1980, can't stop the nuts. Yeah. Right. Because if there's one thing you want to serve up with a movie that you're trying desperately not to have people think is about gay men singing, it's a thing called can't stop the nuts. They stop the nuts with those those briefs instead of like uh, having those banana warmers or- yeah. One of those Merkins or whatever. Can't stop the nuts in your cone. Yeah, so she's eating this ice cream cone, walking down the street, and she comes across this cowboy that she knows somehow. Hey, can you sing? And he's like, can I sing? The backbone's connected to the hip bone. The hip bone's connected to the leg bone. The leg bone's connected to the knee bone. She's like, okay, you're in. Don't sing anymore, please. Please, stop. But yes, come to my house. I mean, right, We're come. going to have a dinner party slash demo recording. Yeah. And then he sees, she sees some guy who's got like a like a rolling rack of of clothes on the street. She says, "Come over to my house." He's like, "I'm not coming over to that lame thing." People have huge parties now that they sponsor and have like music and acts at. I'm not going to your silly backyard party. She goes, "Humph, 
And then she goes to, uh, well, she, she runs into... She runs into Felipe, yeah. who's buying groceries, of which all, uh, it's just one big bag from the grocery store filled with corn. Corn on the cob. Just corn. Well, he calls it maize. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Just corn. And he's like, of course I'll be there. I can sing. And his he singing like, is just him. When I'm calling you, ooh, 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 ooh. that's what he does. His yeah. little... His, his war little, cry. Yeah. Right. Because culturally sensitive. And they laugh. Ha, ha, ha. Yes. So she oh, has a cowboy it. and an Indian. Mm-hmm. That's just great. And then she ends up with... A construction worker. She goes to see him where he's doing his commercial shoots. Yes, because he's a construction worker, but somehow he is also filming musical dance commercials for something. And that's how he, that's his main thing, is he does these commercials for something. And then we see our first full-out, like, actual musical theater movie number extravaganza to the song I Love You to Death. It's him and it's like the solid gold dancers who all- No, no, it's not, because they're all white ladies. It's it's a bunch of women in like red, just sequin fashion dresses with very severe makeup and headdresses on, uh, fawning over him as he jumps around on a bunch of scaffolding. It's like dance pose, dance pose. Yeah, it's very much like my friend Nadia Natanya's style of burlesque, which is I can walk and I can stand and I can walk and I can pose and I can walk and I can sit. Yes. Well, yeah, and all these girls, they do what they do is they kind of like hold on to a pole and kind of swing around and then swing their face into the frame and stare icily into the camera lens. And then uh, our uh, construction worker guy sort of like will pose on the floor with his tight jeans and his little vest open and his sunglasses on and he'll kind of pose suggestively and all the girls will kind of come in from all different angles and kind of like like Charlie's Angels pose at the camera. There's biting. There's a lot of bite choreography in this yes. dance. There's and biting and hip thrusting, and I get the hip thrusting. They're kind of crawling around through like a sort scaffolding. of like a scaffold. Yeah. Yeah. But my question is, is like this is supposed to be a commercial for something. So what are they selling? Love? No. no. I don't know. Condoms. Like, but are they? There's there's biting and scaffolding. Maybe it's a scaffolding thing. Maybe mm. scaffolding rental, construction services. I don't know. <laughs> I could be. There's also a fair amount of glitter. So maybe it's a glitter thing. Yeah, I don't know. Sure. It's very butch for glitter though. Yeah. So it's biting and glitter and scaffolding and hip thrusts. And she hears him singing this song, so she invites him to the backyard party. And he's like, sure, is there dinner? And she's yeah. like, yeah, I'm making lasagna. And he's like, oh, great, I like lasagna. It's yeah. great. So then there's some more some more business happens, but let's cut to the party. Where they're, they're at the party, and Valerie Perrine is there with her best friend. Lulu. And let's talk about Lulu for a minute. She looks like Frankenfurter. Except... As a woman. Right, Frankenfurter's sister. Or cousin, Frank actually. Frankenfurter's cousin. Yeah, lady cousin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Francine Furter. Yeah. yeah. So let's. Okay. So first off, Lulu is very loyal. She's the she's the gal pal you want to have because she is whatever you want to do. She is game. Lulu, I want to go shopping. Great. Let's go. I'm ready to do it. Lulu, I want to build a rocket to the moon. Great. I've got my Makita drill. I can do this. Let's make a rocket to the moon. I'm on board. Great. Number two thing to know about Lulu is girl wants to get fucked all the time, never enough, constantly. Horny is her gag. Every That's time, her everything. Yeah. Every man is fair game. Doesn't matter if they're into her, not into her. Mm-hmm. She's into them. Doesn't matter who they are. How gross they are, how cute they are, mm-hmm. how available they are. And everything anyone says to her is a dirty a double entendre to her. She Always turns sexual. it into one. Yeah. Always sexual. Hi, Lulu. How are you? Oh, I'm really good. How are you? I could be better <laughs> if you were in, inside me. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey, Lulu, could you please pass the potatoes? Oh, I can pass the potatoes. I can pass you more than that. Can... You can make a pass at me anytime. <laughs> you could mash my potatoes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Jesus Christ, Lulu. Yeah. For fuck's sake, I just want the goddamn potatoes. Here's a fork. Oh, I want a fork. I want to fork you right now. Oh <laughs> Lulu, yeah. girl, calm down. Yeah, so Lulu's horny. And, uh, uh, well, Samantha, she drops her contact lens in the lasagna. So that's a bit. And it's a bit. It's the a thing bit. is, is like she lost her contact lens case. So she keeps one of her contact lenses in a pickle jar and one of her contact lenses in a mustard jar. Yes. Because for- she's quirky. It's hilarious. It's mm-hmm. a hilarious bit. So there's one character that we have neglected to mention so far in this movie, and that is Samantha's manager. She has a name, but I just like to call her Purple Cruella Deville. Because she constantly wears purple, and she usually has some sort of dead animal draped about her. Purple Cruella DeVille just wants Samantha to go back into modeling because she makes a lot of money, and she is her manager, and likes money. So she's constantly trying to get Samantha to get back into modeling. And what is the campaign that she's trying to get Samantha to do? Milk. Milk. Because nothing says sex on a plate like milk. So she's going to crash the party. The demo recording dinner party in a little bit. And it's at this party that the uh, last member of the village people shows up and he's a cop. So and he's just wearing his regular cop state trooper or whatever New York street motorcycle cop outfit. Uh, At least the last the last guy for the village people at this particular party, because we will add some some people later on. Oh, my God. And the the one final edition is the most glorious, most amazing. That's your favorite. Most favorite part of the movie for me ever. But not yet. So we have four village people so far. We have Felipe the Indian. Mm -hmm. We have cowboy guy, construction man and cop. Yes. And they're going to sing the song Magic Night, which was composed by Steve Gutenberg like this. <clears throat> Please go. Magic night, music in the air, it's magic night. Magic night, ba 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 And the music in the horns will go ba 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 And then the bass comes in, boo 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 And magic night, and then the ba 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 And then That is not an exaggeration. That's, that's how Steve Gutenberg composed the hit song Magic Night. Yes. Earlier that day. Earlier that day. Yes. I would like to... Ma- I would- like to mention that Eric scared both of my cats out of the room doing Excellent. that. Excellent. That was a twofer right yeah. there. Two cats, no waiting. There's cats in the recording studio. How is that possible? I know. We've got such a low rent operator. I know it. Yeah. So, yes. So, and uh, this is also the same event party where our romantic lead 
Bruce Jenner shows up uh, with a cake for Samantha. Uh, he was mugged by an old lady on his way over. Who in had, front of an erotic cake store. In front of an erotic cake store. Uh, who, yes, the old lady takes him for all his money and his things and escapes uh, with her accomplice who is on a moped. And he's very upset. And his character is kind of not very likable in this entire film. No. Uh, but he is the guy who's not a village person and not Steve Gutenberg. So it's only natural that he will fall in love and get together with Valerie Perrine mm-hmm. for reasons. Well, it's the summer and he's dressed in a very tight, light blue seersucker three-piece suit. And his hair is long but not too long. Right. Well, it is 1980, Eric, yeah. and it's the beginning of the 80s. Yeah, it sure is. Things are going to change. Oh, my goodness. And so, yeah, he looks like the classic Bruce Jenner haircut from when he won all those uh, gold medals at the Olympics, I think, in 1976. Well, there you but, go. Yeah. So he shows up there, and uh, he's sort of appalled by what's going on there, because at some point it dawns on him that this is some kind of a gay party, and he doesn't want any part of that. Well, and, and it's so got dr- there's drugs at the party, too. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because Lulu Lulu's- gets Gutenberg high with the ma- marijuanas. Lulu's carrying, guys. That's another thing that Lulu's good for. Lulu's always got drugs. She's that friend who's like, oh, man, are you, are you, having, like, you having a shitty day? Dude, I got some muscle relaxers in my purse. Let me go get them for you. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. It's cool, Lulu. I don't need it. No, 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 no. L- let me get you a muscle relaxer. You're gonna be. You're gonna feel way better if I get you one. She's that friend. She's got Xanax. She's got muscle relaxers. She's carrying a little bit of weed. She's hanging out with the goot, so she probably's got some cocaine on her. She's got it all. It's all in her purse. Yeah, it's fine. she even offered him magic mushrooms. She said, "Next time, I'll bring you some magic mushrooms." Because mm-hmm. she's convinced if she can just get you high, you will fuck her. Mm-hmm. Someone will fuck her. Yeah, magic mushrooms will do it. She's she's got a whole pharmacy in there. Yeah, but the um, the village people sing Magic Night and do a credible job of it. And they Into make a- one microphone. Mm-hmm. When I'm with my friends, there's magic in the air. Good vibrations always surround us. Play some good music, the moment has flair. Happiness and joys And somehow music is playing in the backyard. Well, they had some speakers set up. I think it was like from his uh, his recording studio. I don't know how he got like Who an knows? orchestra to record for him. And there's it, random like, party guests there as well. We haven't met them. We don't know who these people are. Oh, yeah. The Goot's mother shows up, too, at this point. With shopping bags. Shopping bags from uh, uh, like Macy's or something. Like they, those, like those like little brown bags. Yeah. yeah, like knockoff ones. Uh Yeah, Steve Gutenberg's mother is the stereotypical Jewish mama from every TV or movie bit about stereotypical New York Jewish mamas. And so she comes along and does all of that shtick. Oh, my boy, I'm so proud of him. And, all, you know, this kind of stuff. She's played by an actress named June Havoc, who actually was kind of 
You know, she's one of the studio players back in the, the 50s uh, on contract with one of the Hollywood studios. Yeah, she's wearing a muumuu. She looks a little bit like Mrs. Roper from, from uh, Three's Company. Yes, you know? there's literally no nuance to her character either. She is just that mama character. Mm-hmm. She's an Italian Catholic mom. Yeah, she's a t- Catholic, that's right. And she's mm-hmm. married to a Jewish man, so she's mm-hmm. got all the things. Yes. All the bases covered. Everything is covered. And so they, they do this thing and they get this recording. And so that's kind of like the end of the first act. Could have pinned it. Yeah. So could it could it even get better after that? So they have this magical demo of Magic Knight. Well, it just so happens that one of Valerie Perrine's ex-boyfriends is very high-powered music producer promoter guy who is generic sleazy producer guy. His bit is that he can't say no to a phone call because he's always schmoozing and working and trying to make connections with stars and the, his phone rings like every 20 or 30 seconds. Right. And that's the bit. And that's it goes bit. on for a little while. It's kind of legit. It's sort of funny, but it's not that funny, but it's something like you might see on a Carol Burnett show sketch or something like that. Yeah. You know? And the guy that plays this character is actually a pretty decent character actor. I genuinely liked watching him. I thought he was pretty good. Uh, so she shows up, and she's, of course, dressed to the nines. She's got the slinky black dress on. She wanders into they his office. They used to be a, a pair, right? Right. They, yeah. yeah she, this, is, yeah. this is her ex. So and, she says to Goots, like, hey, I, you know, my ex was a, a music producer, you know. I was like, oh, yeah, go talk to him. And so then she goes over there. With the tape. With and, the tape. And she's like, hey, so I got this tape. I got this. I'm managing this group now. I've got this this demo, and I, I you know, I want you to check him out. And he's like, oh, even you? Even you are are trying to get to, you know, get to me through, you know, through your sexiness. Like, I, you know, I can't even believe this. I can't believe that you would use me like this. And she's like, well, she's like, you know, I thought just because old times. And he's like, uh, you know what? Fine, fine. Set up a a, a demo for me. Yeah, it's like, but on one condition, I have to see them perform. You can't just give me this tape because I can't trust that. I, I got to be able to see them together as a group perform. Otherwise, I won't sign him. And she's like, oh, yeah, sure, fine. That's great. It's like, okay, we'll come by next week at the studio, and we'll get them all together, and we're going to cut a demo and a watch while you record. She's She's like, like, okay. Okay, fine. So as she's leaving his office, these tax attorneys show up, and it just so happens that one of the tax attorneys happens to be Bruce Jenner, because he's an attorney. Right. Right. And so he goes chasing after her because reasons she's hot. Yeah. And he's like, oh, well, there's, there's some pursuing that goes on. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, I got, you know, I'm busy. I got this group that I got to get ready for this demo thing next week. Yeah, I don't know where I'm going to do, uh, do the do the auditions. And he's like, oh, you can use my, uh, use my office. It's fine. Yeah, my dad's a huge big time lawyer in uh, New York City. I have an office there too, and he won't mind if we have some audition in the office. So let's do that. She's like, okay. Let's do it. And then so they, they put an ad in like the village voice or something like that. You know, <laughs> gay singers needed. <laughs> for... That's I'm sure that's not how the ad went, but mm-hmm. that's, I think basically what they got mm-hmm. cut to the audition. And here's another great scene. in the- Oh my God, guys, it's the best scene in the whole, I think it's the best scene movie. Cause first off, so, so you see the circus that is the audition and there's just like, they didn't do a good job of writing the ad. So it's not just like singers that show up, but it's just like any, it's like America's fucking got talent. Yeah. It's like the gong show. There's like guys on stilts. There's jugglers. There's the, the body. Guy juggling a flame, like a flame, flaming well, juggler. Well, the, the, that comes later. Oh. But yeah, like there's, there's like the body guy, body, body. body. Yeah. Yeah. 
He comes in in like a tracksuit, and then he rips his tracksuit off, and he is... He's a bodybuilder. Yes, he's a bodybuilder. Yeah, he's great. They're all great. All of these people are great. So they're in this big giant room. There's a piano. For some reason, they're in a tax attorney's office, but there is a legit like baby well, grand piano because the uh, oh right uh, represented marvin hamlet right and so uh, that's why yeah. the piano's in there okay right good i forgot about that and so uh so they're going through this whole thing and like everybody's like oh you know you you know you you didn't do a good job with this audition notice you and you guys have to be more picky like you you can't tell everybody that they're in the group you gotta like you gotta narrow this down you need to find somebody who's got a good voice and that is when my favorite part of the whole movie rolls up, which is a gentleman named Glenn Hughes. He's the only named guy that I know from uh, the Village village people. People. Yeah, Glenn Hughes, may he rest in peace, was known as the Leatherman, a.k.a. the guy that's the biker. And you actually see him roll up to the building like they do an exterior shot. So you see him on his motorcycle in his full leathers, roll up to the building on his on his motorcycle and then there's some more shenanigans and he walks in in his full leather daddy shit and they're like oh are you here for the audition and he's like fuck no i'm here to pay my tax bill yeah but he looks like this burly leather daddy and he has like a really sort of uh he has kind of a squeaky voice kind of a squeaky voice with kind of an accent he's like no i was here to pay my taxes a little bit yeah and so he's like, what do you mean audition? And they're like, oh, well, there's a singing group. We're auditioning for a singing group. And he's like, let me at it. Stand aside here. Hold my beer. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So not only does he come into the room, but he climbs up on top of the baby grand. He whispers to the piano player, hey, do you know Danny Boy? Yeah. Can you play a G? Yeah. Climbs up on top of the piano and then proceeds to sing Danny Boy. A very traditional, tear-jerking sort Like, of- just full out, without any pretense, without any sort of, like, just as as straight and sincere as you possibly can, and it is the most amazing part of this entire movie. Oh, Danny boy, the pipes, the pipes are calling. From glen to glen and down the mountainside The summer's gone and all the roses falling Tis you, tis you must go and I must bide But come ye back when summer's in the meadow Oh, when the valley is hushed and white with snow, it's I'll be here in sunshine or in shadows. Oh, Danny boy, oh, Danny boy. I love you so. And I love it so much. It's very absurd. It belongs in like a John Waters movie or something, it really. Is fucking great. And of course, when he gets in the group. And of course, yeah, they're like, yeah, pff, 
you're in. You're in the group. And he's like, okay, you sure. You fit together with the Indian and the cowboy. Right, and the yeah. I mean, we, worker we've got a construction cop, worker yeah. and a cop, and now we have a leather man. Yeah, Great, leather perfect. daddy. That's what we need. That's what we mm-hmm. needed. That's, that's, what, that's the thing that completes this group. And then... Uh, I think it's after that that we have the kind of long drawn out scene where uh, Bruce Jenner and Valerie Perrine get together at yes, her place. The, it's true. The most uh, notable part of that is that Bruce Jenner ends up with a hot pan of lasagna on his crotch. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's. They got to rip his clothes off to like clean them. And then they wind up. In, in bed yeah but it's not that sleazy i think there's some like ugly tongue kissing there which is sort of squeaky for just a brief moment it's the least interesting part of the movie right it really is and then he gets up in the morning and like slinks out you know but uh not without saying some nice things to her while she's still sleeping and uh so they're if together as else, a couple i mean the thing is is that if nothing else there's a love story in this movie and it's not horrible I mean, there's some weird jealousy things that happen later on, but like, eh. Yeah. So then, so now Bruce Jenner is part of the crew. Yeah. So they're all getting together as part of the crew, but they got to go find some place to rehearse together. Oh, my God. And what is the best place to rehearse? Oh, my God, guys. They're walking down the street and suddenly it occurs to them. But it doesn't even suddenly occur to them. Bruce Jenner takes care of this. Oh, Bruce Jenner is wearing some booty shorts, some cut off. Oh, my God. Cutoffs that are cut off so high. Everything's cut off on Bruce Jenner. And he's got a crop top. That's like cut up to his nipples. Oh, my God. It's there's so many cut offs going on in this outfit. It's it's just cut offs on cut offs on cut offs. Wow. Everything's cut off. Wow. It's great. It's also, there's a lot of body hair. This was the age of body hair. Right? That's fine. I'm men, fine with men body hair. Men have body hair. Well, yeah, yeah men have body, body hair. hair. I mean, it's, it's a normal thing. I mean, I don't have body hair, but I mean, I'm I'm a, I'm the exception that proves the rule. Well, you're based. You you come from seal stock. You're, you're <laughs> Swedish. Seals are full of body hair. You're you're Swedish. You oh, you mean to... like the seal, the gay thing of seal? No, that's a hairy guy, right? No, that's an otter. Oh, that's an. <laughs> <laughs> and hotter, okay. Whatever. Eric, Eric is unfamiliar with the various I'm unfamiliar the various terms. Yeah. I'll learn it someday. Yeah. But yeah, everybody's like really, really hairy. But Glenn the, Hughes, especially Glenn and, Hughes is a very hairy man. And uh, uh Bruce Jenner also. Yes. Yeah. This is the workout montage. Right. Because we're going to the YMCA guys and there's penis in it. I saw it. I always see it. I look for it. I look for that penis. You're not wrong. Because remember, guys, on this show, there's the Goon Squad, where I evaluate goons, and then there's also my penis patrol, and there is definite penis in this movie. There is. I seen it and I showed it to Eric and he was like, Yep, that's penis. Yep, yep, yep. I mean I didn't I didn't quite notice it because it goes by very briefly. It but does. I think if you paused it, you'd be able to like freeze frame it on a thing where it's like, 
It's not like in your face. It's in a character in the back. It is, and, and I sort think... of in profile a little bit. But I mean, I think it's I think it's there. I think the movie editor too is like uh, the guy's kind of soaped up, so maybe like the, maybe they won't notice because there's soap involved. But you do notice. It's there. Yes. The soap actually kind of like creates like a like a bullseye effect. It's like this is all the soap, and here is the penis. Yes. Look upon this. Look upon this penis and despair. No, there's no, there's no reason to despair. No, I don't despair. I, have, I feel I have like no that guy in the back who was soaping up was like, oh shit, I wasn't supposed to look on camera. I was supposed to be back. I was supposed to have my ass to the camera. I'm supposed to have ass first. Yeah, and Nancy Walker was like, no, that's all right. It's we'll okay. Rhoda would be cool with the penis. It's fine. Nobody will notice it. We'll fix it in editing. Yeah, you know what? That's for the boys. The penis is for mm. the boys. It's fine. We also get to see the nipple. Uh, Valerie, of Valerie Perrine. Perrine. Uh, you noticed that. I didn't notice that. See, there you go. See, it's, uh, everybody notices something. Valerie There's Perrine something for is uh, in a hot tub very briefly, and she's kind of horsing around with some of the men in the hot tub. They're kind of like a little bit of horseplay in there, and they're kind of shoving around and Look, splashing. Boobs, and she kind of like leans forward, and it's like the little nipple comes up from underwater and says hello, and then goes back down underwater. Mm-hmm. And so you can say, oh, I saw Valerie Perrine's nipple. Or you could go to the internet and find all of her Playboy Many spreads things. where you get to see Valerie Perrine's goodies. So there you go. But they sing YMCA, and there's this synchronized dance with working out. They're, they're doing there's a lot of aerobics. They're doing aerobics, calisthenics, they're running, they're sprinting, they're working out on uh, gymnastics equipment, like a pommel horse and uh, rings, they're swimming, they're diving into the pool, it is glorious. It is, and, uh, and about like two-thirds of the way in, because they were trying a thing, then they sort of dropped some acid, and they did some like weird like mirror image slow motion tracer yeah like multi-color multi-exposure like, like flash gymnastic yeah. like let's do some back handsprings but like let's make sure that we see every single frame shot of it yes and yes. it's pretty cool it's pretty cool it's good it's a very satisfying montage and you can totally find that montage on the interwebs oh yeah if you go to youtube and just look for one yeah, you probably can see I mean, probably if it's a high enough res- I mean the thing is it's not that they it's not necessarily that uh, YouTube would edit it out because it's so so brief it's and it's like but it's like the the quality of the video has to be good enough because it is kind of in the background it's, and it's in the shower hidden. part guys yeah. just look for the penis and when you see it you'll be happy think of Megan just think of me when you see the penis just be like there it is and so that happens and then so then the next thing is is they have to go and do this uh, audition in front of the music producer so they're all in the studio together and who's teaching them the choreography and everything for this Lulu why because reasons yeah because she's turned on by them and she thinks she can get them to work out and so they do like this thing and they I can't remember what song they sing for that the song is called Liberation oh yeah that's right Liberation Liberation and the thing is, is that for a number of times that I watched this movie, this was not a song that I particularly cared for. It was just like, oh, this is the, this is the song they sing when they flub their audition. Yeah. And the music producer guy's like, oh, these people suck. I'm not signing them. I'm not signing them. But one of the times that we did uh, the movie as a virtual screening, one of my friends, uh, Dana, was watching the movie and was live tweeting with us. And she was like, oh, this song is really great and it's really important. And I'm, 
this is my favorite song of the whole movie. And she kind of explained it as like, this is the song about, you know, coming out and like being proud and feeling liberated and being yourself. And I was like, oh, you know, I didn't even think about that. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm this is not a thing that I think about being a heterosexual person who is heteronormative, heteronormative, sure. right? Cisgender person. Mm-hmm. These, these are not themes that I put on these songs that the village people are singing about. Yeah. So the liberation is what they're singing. So, about. yeah. So, so I'm actually a little sad that this is the song that they chose to put in their, we fucked up our audition because I think actually, it, it has some meaning to people who are watching this film from a different perspective. Good point. Yeah. So maybe uh, do this. Do this. Watch the movie, and you know you'll see this part of it. But then go find the song somewhere else and listen to the song separate from the movie, so that you can enjoy it on its own merits. Enjoy its liberation, liberational qualities. Yeah. That's that's what I would say. Right, and so this brings us to the end of the second act when they are at their lowest point. Oh, they've, they're so they've, sad. They've flubbed their interview. The whole thing is going down the toilet, and the goot is not going to be a composer. Right, the goot and uh, Bruce Jenner go to this uh, this this place outside for lunch, and they're drinking wine, and every table has an antique telephone on it because that was a thing in the seventies. It was the style of the restaurant. And so they're all sitting there going like, well, guess that's it for us in the music business. Well, no, no. They came up with a plan, though. Oh, they did. The, oh, they did come up with a plan. I thought yeah. Valerie Perrine came. No, out no, and no. Told she, them was, about the she was the sad one. She was like, "Ah, guys, I failed you. And they're like, no, no, no. We figured it out. We're going to throw a party. We're going to make people pay to come to the party. And she's like, people would do that. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, people totally would do that. So we just have to sell tickets. And that's like, well, how are we going to sell tickets? Where are we going to do this party? And it turns out that it's at that time that the Goots, no, 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 it's, uh, who comes by the, the, um, oh, they got it. They raised the money doing the milkshake video, right? Right. Right. Okay. So so this that, okay, is, okay. 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 Here we go. So, so Valerie Prine's like, wait, wait, wait. I have one last ditch effort thing here. I can finance this party thing. I'll just, I'll do this stupid milk ad that my Corella DeVille purple manager person has been bugging me about. We'll get the money from that, and then we can do this thing. Perfect. Everybody will be happy. So what ensues is probably the least appropriate ad for milk ever. Yeah. They do a song called Milkshake, which is, if you're feeling very charitable, it's about making milkshakes. It's about as much about milkshakes as the song Milkshake by Achilles is. Yeah, but really it's (laughs) probably about blowjobs. Yeah, most likely. Probably. I would say. Yeah. Do the shake, do the 
And so this is uh, a, a sort of Busby Berkeley style thing. Everybody's wearing white and there's clear bubbles everywhere. Mm-hmm. And they talk about shaking it up and putting the milk and the ice cream and, and swirling it around. And it's good on your tongue and whatever this kind of Do stuff the shake. Is. Yeah, do the shake. Do the shake. Do the shake. Yep. I don't know what you're talking about, but... Well, and it starts off with, like, Valerie Perrine in this, like, house frau outfit. Yeah. And, like, tiny children versions of all of the village people, like, dressed in their various costumes, including a tiny child version of the Leatherman. Yes. And she's serving milk to all of them. Right. It's like Halloween or something at her house. Yeah. It's like, why? Why couldn't they just be... A little Indian, a little construction worker, a little leather daddy. (laughs) Couldn't they just be just children? Why do they have to be dressed like the the village people? I don't know. I don't know. It's like a subliminal thing, trying to get people in there. So they cut this ad, but the milk people aren't really sure that they want this. Right. The milk people are like, "Um, this is kind of too racy for milk. We just kind of wanted like, hey, drink some milk, please. Right. So they don't get the money from the ad. But uh, Bruce Jenner's mom shows up and says, hey, I thought it was really classy. Yeah. These people don't know what's good. Yeah. Well, and and his mom is like super, super rich, like lady. Yes. She's like a society lady. Right. But she's kind of progressive society lady. Sure. His dad is sort of like a, a grumpy, conservative lawyer dude, and her his mom is like a sort of progressive, hip society lady who always is like doing benefit shows and things like that. So she proposes that they do this uh, show as a benefit show, and that way they can raise the money that way, and they can get uh, uh, some free place to, to do it and all of this kind of stuff. So that's like the next idea of what they're going to do. And where are they going to go to do this show? Why? San Francisco, because that's where this fundraiser that she's throwing is going to be. Hmm, it wouldn't, wouldn't hurt to have the, the village people play a show in San Francisco, quite honestly. Yeah, I wonder, that seems like a perfect marriage of artist and location. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So they, they go there, and uh, Steve Gutenberg and his mother end up on a plane with the record executive, who's been lured there by Valerie Perrine. Who basically is like, hey, I'll fly over to San Francisco with you. Yeah, and the record producer's in some sort of like caftan. I love this caftan, guys. Yeah. I have like to admit. Nude under a caftan because he's like, well, Valerie Perrine's going to be here. I want to be able to like flip this thing off in like one quick motion so I can get naked as soon as possible. So I'm not saying that I need to live in a caftan like this all the time, but I'm just not saying that I would object to it. Because it looks really comfy. Mm. I think that, I think we could be like really happy society if all of us just wore like really cozy caftans like all the time. Yeah, but a few other people intrude on this lovely little romantic interlude, namely Steve Gutenberg and his mother. Yes, Valerie Perrine doesn't show up. 
Yeah. Oh, she does. I thought she was there. No, no, no. no. She doesn't show up. Oh, that's right. She disappears. And that's like the romantic problem later on. I don't even think that bear's talking about it. No, it doesn't work. It's not worth it. Yeah. So she's, she's missing in action, but the goot and his mom show up and they sort of buttonhole him on the plane and they've got like, you know, the five hour flight from New York to Los Angeles to sort of get him to see their way around things. And she bribes him with deli food from Zabar's. And, yeah, crepe uh, luck and yeah. matzo ball soup yeah. and all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, okay, all right. So we're, we're going to like make a deal here. And she's like, yeah, yeah, we're going to make a deal here for merchandising and record deals. I get three points on the back end of the total profit of, you know, and they, they bargain back and forth like a couple of real like slick sort of uh, deal makers. Right. You know, and it's uh, supposed to be fun. It's kind of going kind of a little wild. Uh, yeah. This yeah. is where the, the story kind of gets bogged down because no one cares. We just want to see the milkshake thing again. And then they show up in uh, San Francisco and they're all in the dressing room before the show. And Glenn Hughes is going like, leather daddies don't get nervous. <laughs> what was it? Leather, leather, leather men don't get nervous. Or? Yeah. Leather men. No, he never refers to himself, himself as a leather, leather daddy. daddy. He's right. a leather man. Leather men don't get nervous. Leather men don't get nervous. And the cowboy's like, yeah, they do. Yeah. <laughs> and before they go on, there is the, the, not the Pointer Sisters do a song. It's the Richie Sisters. The Richie Sisters. Like as in Lionel Richie. Ah, okay. The Richie Sisters. And they are essentially just like a girl group trio that are not the Pointer Sisters. Well, they're three sexy black ladies in revealing gowns, right? Yeah. They are three, they're three talented Female vocalists in sexy gowns. You see a lot of crotch shots, <laughs> unfortunately, just because of, I think, the way the cameras were placed on that stage, because there were like these cutout holes in the stage yeah. that I think they had the cameras in. Yeah. Yeah. But it's uh, they go out and perform and the crowd goes wild. Yay. And most notably, in this crowd, which only on this last viewing did I notice, in the front row of this crowd, there is someone who has brought their own whip Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying like a like a riding crop. I'm saying like a full fledged fucking whip. Yeah, like a crack the whip, like a, like a like leather a whip, cowboy whip. That they are just they're sort of like cheering and they have in their hand and they're sort of like sort of whipping around a little bit. Yeah, why? I don't know. But you know, you do see something new every time you watch. I this do. I, like I've seen this movie so many times, I never noticed that there is a person with a whip in the front row of Kitten this with a whip. Uh, it might not be a kitten. It's San Francisco. Could be a dude. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Yeah, it could be a wild cat with a, with a whip. Yeah. Anyhow. Anyhow. So they, um, they, and a lot of stuff goes down and it gets kind of boring. We won't even talk about that. But it doesn't matter. The, the village people uh, get on stage. They sign the contract for the big record deal and they sing Can't Stop the Music for about 25 minutes. Yes. And they're all wearing pink versions of their costumes. Oh, they come on stage the way the village people did come on stage when they did concerts back in the 70s. Right. So they each, not everybody, but most have their own vehicles. So like the leather Leatherman has a motorcycle that he comes out on stage in, and the soldier has a like a Jeep that he comes out on. Sure. And they're all fabulous. Right. They're all bedazzled. Like bedaz- Everyone you meet, the children in the street, I sway to the rhythm, there's something moving in them. Everybody's costume is a different color of the rainbow. Right. So I think the cowboy is like red, 
and the leather well the leatherman is always black yeah black leather. except when he's doing the milkshake dance then he's white right right but yeah everybody was in a fabulous color of the rainbow and bedecked in in sparkles and all that kind of stuff and they're performing oh they're performing can't stop the music because you know you gotta have the name of the name of the movie you can't stop the music Nobody can stop the music. And, and it, it goes, goes on and on. Right? It goes on for quite a while. And then, of course, you get to see all of the characters that you've grown to love over the course of this movie. You see Valerie Perrine and Bruce Jenner and Steve Gutenberg up on the balcony. And they're all, like, toasting their, their great success in the music business and the ongoing rising star that will be the wonderful and amazing village people. Yes. Except it didn't quite work out that way. It did not. This this movie was nominated for a number of Razzie. Uh, I think it actually won a couple of them. Um, it, it repeatedly, in the course of the movie, is referred to as like, well, this is what the 80s are going to be like. This is like the... This is the new... You know, this is the new thing for the new decade of the 80s. And as we all know, disco was not the new thing for the 80s. Uh, kind of was the exact opposite of the thing for the 80s. Because yeah. the 80s was new wave, and the 80s was punk, and the 80s was not disco. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know much what else to say about it other than the movie. I I highly recommend it. It's fun and it's funny and it's not a terrible movie and it's not a bad movie. It's a ridiculous movie. It's campy movie. It is uh, absolutely inconsequential bit of entertainment fluff and a weird sort of snapshot into the late 70s, beginning of the 80s kind of entertainment environment, which uh, is, of course, endlessly fascinating to me. But I think that it can be enjoyed by anybody if you just, if, if you realize it's going to be a silly, ridiculous, fun thing. It's one of those films that when you watch it, you, even if you've had it described to you, you watch it and your jaw falls to the ground every couple of minutes. You just go, I can't believe this thing actually exists. So it won the very first ever Razzie Award for for Worst Picture. Mm. And this was written by the same person who produced Grease. Oh, wow. And Grease 2. Electric Blue. Sure. And another movie that we probably will do at some point in time for this, this show. A little movie called Cloak and Dagger. Really? Which is an insane movie. Also insane. Film. Yes. An insane film that involved uh, Dabney Coleman mm-hmm. and, uh, and and ultra violence <laughs> and and a child with a bomb in an airport. <laughs> a child with a bomb. I should have just called that movie "Child with a Bomb." Yes. Anyhow, it's it's a it's a it's a picture where you just can't stop staring at it. That's what they should have called it. Can't stop staring. Yes. Because you just. You will you will watch it and then you will ask yourself how is it I haven't seen this until now? Yes, it's true. Thanks for listening to Cinema Super Collider. Follow us on Twitter at Cinema Supercast or join our Facebook community where we post early warnings about our upcoming movie selections and also invite you to join our film discussions. 
You can email us questions, comments, and suggestions for future shows at cinemasupercast at gmail.com. If you like our podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. See you next time.